is our speaker today. A few years back, at one of the open mic sessions, our speaker got up and talked about the things he endured in his past, having a handicap, the things he endured in his childhood and how he was able to put them behind him through Jesus Christ. He even gave me a verse saying to put the past behind and to move forward. And from that, it touched my heart that I had him, when we needed a life story, to come up and give his life story. And I, I'm not so sure in parts of that that there was a dry eye in the place. Well, today I've asked him to deliver the message. And it's about Nehemiah and the last one in the series called the lead. It's about Nehemiah leading by example. And I want to welcome up here this morning, Jim Hall. Good morning, gentlemen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your trumpet has sounded and this, a sacred assembly has been called. These men, your men, have come to hear a word from your holy scriptures. I am not worthy of myself to bring this word to them, but by your grace and in your mercy I stand before them. Bless me by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to them and touch their hearts, that they may hear only you as I, as I speak. Open the eyes of our hearts to know what you have for us. In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to start with something unusual. We're talking about Nehemiah, and it's an Old Testament, it's an Old Testament book. This is actually, for the most part, his personal journal. But uh, God brought to me this scripture describing, describing this, the, the servant leader. And the, the surrounding story is that James and John come up to Jesus Christ and they say, Jesus, do, do for us what we ask of you. And he says, well, what do you want? And they say, well, in your, in your glory, may one of us sit at your right hand side and one of us at your left. And uh, Jesus uh, corrects them very quickly. He says, you're not, are you able to do what I've been called to do? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink or live in the baptism that I live in? And they, they say, we are able. And this irritates the, 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 the 10. And Jesus gathers them around and, and, and this is what he says. He says, Jesus called to them and said to them, oh, well, let's stand because we're reading the word, the word of God. Let's, let's, let's respect that. He says, Jesus called to them and they be, Jesus called to them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whosoever would be first among you must be the slave of all because the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life for many this is the reading of the lord as i was preparing today 
for today. I had about a dozen different directions I could have gone in to prepare this. But God spoke to me and, and asked me the question, what are the three things that about Nehemiah that would make you want to follow him? And what I came up with uh, was, was, was a love of God above all else, a love of his people, and a willingness to step outside his comfort zone. The first two fuels the third. We don't know much about Nehemiah. There's no grand genealogy to justify such attention, only his father's name. But it isn't needed because anybody who had any question could go to the, go to the, um, go to the synagogue in, in, uh, in Susa and ask one of the rabbis and he would be able to follow his, his genealogy all the way to the 12, the 12 sons of uh, Jacob. And they would know Nehemiah's place in the community. Further on, we are a cupbearer of the king. He only mentions this briefly to justify his desire and the purpose and, and the possibility of bringing the plight of his people to King Artaxerxes. This is much as clear. His body and mind may, his body and mind might have been in Susa, but his heart was in Jerusalem. And just in case you, uh, just in case you want to write Nehemiah off as just some slave, uh, I challenge you to go back to the book of Daniel, first chapter, third through sixth verse, where it describes the type of person that would be trained to, be, uh, to become a king's servant. As we enter the actual events, Nehemiah is speaking to his brother Hanani, Hanani, who is just returned from Jerusalem. He asked about the state of affairs, and the report was not good. Now it is four months between the time that he gets this news and, and the time that he's due to report to the king to serve, to, to serve him wine. And he prays a prayer. And it goes, and it's like, and, it's, and this is the prayer. It said, Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his commandments and steadfast love to those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. For the people of Israel, your servants, con confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments and statutes, the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you have commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you are outcast in the uttermost parts of heaven, I will, be, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer of the king. Now, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the verses in Daniel. 
being the cupbearer of the king is no small deal. He has, I mean, he's, he's there. He hears things that few other people hear. He sees things that few other people see. So, and, and, and he is, you can't write him off as any dummy. When finally Nehemiah goes to his duty to the king, he is healthy as far as the king can see, but Nehemiah is unable to hide his sadness. This puts Nehemiah in a very dangerous position. But by, but by the grace of God, he is not cast out of court or then executed for incurring the, de, uh, the king's displeasure. Instead, Artaxerxes asks why he is sad, and Nehemiah's answer is couched in terms that the king would immediately identify with. For it is a tradition among the Persians to consider the grave sites of ancestors to be sacred ground. And the king could not take that lightly. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. And I was much afraid. And, he, and I said to the king, King, live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lie in ruins and its gates destroyed by fire? When the king asked what Nehemiah wants, Again, Nehemiah prays as he goes to his request. He comes prepared with what he needs to do the job, but has to trust in God to touch Artaxerxes' heart. Now, as a side note, it is mentioned that the queen is there by the king's side. This is Esther. This is another story for another time, but to be short, she was responsible for keeping the, the people of Israel the people of Israel, the Jews, from being totally annihilated. Now, whether he had, she had influence in the matter, we don't know, but there is little doubt of it. And the king said to me, sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had been given time. Along with the, along with the request to go, he... Uh, he also requests the some of the materials needed to rebuild the, rebuild the wall and, uh, and letters to the, uh, the surrounding governors. Well, when he got out there, he, when he got out there to the bordering, bordering districts, they were none too pleased. And it's one, okay, and just to show you how big a, how big a deal this was, this trip was 1, 000, approximately 1,100 miles from Susa to Jerusalem. And it took 44 days. Now, Dave mentioned the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the migration with, uh, with Ezra. The difference between this and the migration was that this wasn't, this wasn't a migration. This was a military exercise. So he had, um, instead of the thousands of people that Ezra and Zerubbabel had to deal with, um, Nehemiah probably had maybe 100, 125. And these were all military men. And uh, anybody that has been in the military has heard the term moving with a sense of urgency. Well, that's exactly what they did. The, the only thing that delayed them was the speed of the, ba uh, the baggage train that, that they had a detachment surrounding. 
So, so they would move as quickly as possible. Now, it takes about 44 days. It takes 44 days to get there instead of the months that it took Nehemiah or Zerubbabel. So what would happen is they'd go, they'd go quite a distance, and then, they, and then just before it, it got dark, they would have to pitch tent and postcard. Now, I would not be surprised, it doesn't say it in the, in the word, but I would not be surprised that Nehemiah, being the inquisitive young man that he is, goes out with the commander of troops and watches that they post guard. And this is going to serve him well as, when, when he gets to Jerusalem. And I'm sure that the commander of troops would not be upset as long as uh, uh, that a person would be willing to learn the skills of a leader without being meddlesome. Upon arrival in Jerusalem, he took little time to get to the business of surveying the state of the walls. He took only a small band of men, more than likely a small guard and an officer skilled in military engineering. He moves swiftly as the officer can draw plans. Three days later, he comes to the principal men of the city and gives his report. He does not sugarcoat things, but he tells them clearly that the situation is dire. Still, he is convinced that this is a work of God, and God assures the success. Then I said to him, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates burned. Come, let us build a wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And he told them that the hand of my God had been upon me for good, and also the words of the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands to, to the good work. As I pointed out, as I, I may have implied before, the men who were building the wall were already there. They had built the temple. They were already offering sacrifice. But, uh, but the wall had never been built. And this was a continuation. And, God can, and Nehemiah, every step of the way, every, any conflict, any, any problem, any good thing that happened, he constantly was going to God in prayer. We, in Nehemiah 4-4 through 6, this is a particular prayer of his. Hear, O Lord, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. Give them to, up to be plundered in the land that they may be captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and the wall had joined together at ha to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Whenever Nehemiah comes under oppression, his answer is the same. Prayer to God and encouragement of the people. But it gets to the point where they are no longer taunting. They're ready to raise up their arms against them. And, uh, and Nehemiah, once again, prepared for, prepared for this eventuality. He had a plan. When our enemies heard that it was known that to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held spears. 
shields and bows and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were, who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us and God will fight for us. So we labored to the work and half of them held spears from break of dawn till the stars came out. Now, there were problems inside Jerusalem as well as out. We find out that the governors were not the only problems that Nehemiah faced. There were those who in the community had been taking, care, taking advantage of their poor brothers. They had made loans to the poor to buy grain to keep body and soul together because of a famine in the land and to pay the taxes of the king for the land that they farmed. These loans were at interest, and the poor farmers got to the point where they sold their sons and daughters into slavery, not only to the, the richer, the, the richer bro, uh, brothers, but also to people outside, uh, outside the community. As for Nehemiah, yeah, upon learning of this injustice, Nehemiah, out of his own funds, restores the land and the families of those who had suffered loss and held the, uh, the oppressors accountable in public council. As for Nehemiah in his, in his court, he did not mind, uh, demand the, the food allotment and, and wages that the, uh, that the king allotted him, but he paid for everything out of his own pocket. Now, his pay might have been pretty darn good, but, uh, but this, is, this, is, this is just how Nehemiah handled things. The governors of surrounding lands had figured out that they couldn't defeat Nehemiah's plans to build the wall by threats and attack. So they decide to lure him out to meet outside the city walls, which, which was nearing completion. It is suggested that he act as a coward and hide in the temple because there was some rumor that, he was going, that they, were going, they were going to come in and assassinate him. Time after time, time after time, Nehemiah answers with prayer and with the conviction that God had, God had, had touched him to do, this, to do this work. Once the wall was finally built, he knew that it would come time for him to return to King Artaxerxes and make his report. And he's away for some time, and he left his brother. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> he, he, leaves his, his, he leaves his brother Hanani and, Han, and Hananiah, the head of, head of the temple, to, uh, to manage things for him. Now, there is a difference between a calling and a good idea. There are a lot of good ideas out there, but a calling is something special. It is something where God has touched your heart 
Do you see that when God shows you a need and he, and he touches your heart and this is your calling and where that calling takes you, only God knows. But he's gone for a great period, for quite a period of time. And after a while, he uh, goes to Artaxerxes and he, uh, he says, you know, it's about time for me to go back, to, back and see what's going on in Jerusalem. And when he gets back, things are not as, they, as he had left them. He finds that some of the men took wives from the surrounding nations. One of the priests went so far as to empty out a, a room that was reserved for the grain offerings and offering uh, and offerings that were the prop that that were the property of this of the uh, of the priests and the singers, and uh, and and made made a made a home for his friend uh, for his his brother. Were, and that was just a few of the uh, a few of the violations of of, of the Sabbath. They had people selling selling goods outside the walls. On the Sabbath, people were going out and they were buying and selling, and this was a violation. This was a violation of the Sabbath. The people that Nehemiah put in charge were what so, was a soldier and a politician. They were loyal to Nehemiah and maybe to Artaxerxes, but there is no indication that they were called of God to the work of leading God's people in God's ways. Now Nehemiah had prepared. His, himself for four months with prayer and fasting. This was a deep and personal thing for Nehemiah. And uh, we look around ourselves and we see, we look around ourselves and we, and, and we, we, we see uh, the confusion and, uh, and the sin and depravity. We should, we, would, we should pray that God would, rise, would help us by his spirit to rise above this wicked world that, and be the light on the hilltop, especially rise up to guide our younger brothers to love and obey your son, his, your son Jesus Christ, Lord. Teach us commitment to you, compassion to those you have given us, and the knowledge of a clear calling from you to step out for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. Okay. One of the things I find interesting that Jim pointed out, when Nehemiah was doing this work, he was under attack. Amen. And so, like he said, in one hand, he had the the, the instruments to do the work, and on the other hand, he had the spear. And it made me think, it made me think, when we do the work of God, we're under attack. And when we do the work of God, do we also, also have the weapons with us to fight it? God tells us, right, in Ephesians, to put on the full armor of God. When, we, when we're out there in the world, we're under attack. We're, we are in a battle. We might not be able to see physically the enemy, but we're in a battle. And so we need to have on, okay, the breastplate of righteousness. We need to have on 
the gospel of peace. We need to have on the helmet of salvation. And particularly, we need to have the sword of the Spirit, right? Because of all those weapons, I mean, of all the, that armor, of all that armor and the shield of faith, the, of all the armor, that's the one that is both used in offense and in defense, right? The Word of God. So just, just be conscious of that, that we have to stay on our alert. We can't just have the tools to do our, to do our job physically. We also have to have, be protected. And God goes with us and he gives us that full armor. Amen. Thank you.